Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Sharks After Dark, your favorite podcast about the Old Miss Rebels. I'm your host, Justin Sanders, joined tonight by my co-host, John Stefanczyk. I think we're going to talk some recruiting, surprisingly so, I would say. How are you doing tonight, John? I'm good. We got us an inch of snow today. It was kind of slick driving home. So that's a that's a warm day, huh? And only an inch. Yeah. Well, it goes back and forth. Yeah. Inch of snow. I did drive through Duncan on the way home, about halfway through my car, my medium regular here. Get caffeinated through this. Uh, there you go. So you'll just get recording. more and more caffeinated as we go. I like that. Get the energy Today, level up. We're going to be Pollyanna about Ole Miss recruiting. We are. We are, are going to be Pollyanna. And to help us support that, we have a really the godfather. I'd say the godfather of Landsharks after dark. Yeah, I'll, I'll give him that. Our he's definitely yeah. he's definitely my dad. Yeah, our uh, special guest today, formerly known as Hurricane Paul Couture. I'm gonna. How about oh, Pollyanna Paul Couture? He's You're with me. In the group. He's an adult now. <laughs> we have our good friend, uh, as John mentioned, former DM Sports editor, uh, current all around great guy, Paul Couture. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Pretty good, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on again. It's always uh, it's always good to talk Ole Miss football, and uh, you guys are my dad as well. So everyone, <laughs> interesting everyone on the internet's my dad. So interesting. Uh, yeah, Paul, for, Paul is thanks, the uh, or my daddy, the, or your daddy. Yeah, Paul is the yeah. creator. I want to say of the AJ Brown is your daddy meme on Twitter. That's pretty popular. Uh, just all around great follow on Twitter. Definitely follow. Is it just at Paul Catool? Paul, are we getting that right? That's it. That's it. That's it, man. You can't go wrong with that. Uh, as John mentioned, um, we're going to talk about recruiting. Got some big recruiting news to talk about this week. Uh, unexpected, I'd say. Um, well, unexpected at least, you know, a month ago. I don't think anyone was expecting Matt Corral, you know, a four-star from California that, you know, had never been associated with Ole Miss um, to end up committing. But, you know, the, the dominoes fell. We give a little backstory on Corral. He was committed to USC. Um, I want to say as like a junior, uh, had some issues there. You know, there's a lot of whisper hint, hint. And this is honestly why I kind of hate recruiting services because it's all gossip and it's all, you know, uh, I'm going to say something about this kid without really saying anything about it, but like imply that I know something that you don't know. And that's really what recruiting writers do, uh, every day on Twitter and in their articles. But, um, you know, I, I think it's safe to say that he's had a couple issues, nothing nothing on the field, nothing that uh, is going to diminish his, his his playing caliber, maybe some Chad Kelly-type attitude problems. But think about the Chad Kelly comparisons is, like, Corral's not even the age of Chad Kelly when he, you know, blew up at Debo Swinney or later when he got arrested in Buffalo. I mean, this is really, it's a kid. Um, it's not like he's been arrested or anything. You know, the, the story that's going around, and I want to get you guys' thoughts on this. Uh, apparently, he was kicked out of his his private school in California a couple years ago for punching Wayne Gretzky's son. I don't know if it was a punch, some sort of a fight. I mean, that's that's a definite plus for your QB, right? If Table Cobbleson were on air, he would be he would be telling us about how this is excellent in terms of the JUCO uh, exactly. or of the thug talent ratio. Thug to talent, exactly. I do think it's a I do think it's really good that Corral is going to come in and. 
and obviously be a red shirt. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, who knows if this is a pattern of behavior, just a couple things that flare up and he's really, you know, a good kid that's had a couple things, mm-hmm. but being able to come in, come across the country, sit, learn the system, adjust to college life. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's a bit of a colicky kid, settle down versus if he was coming in and say, start as a true freshman and then right. it doesn't go well. And then everybody starts piling on him, et cetera. It really, I, I think it's a good situation. It's a really good situation to be in in terms of him. It, it's a known red shirt. It's going to be obvious. Maybe he, well, I would, I think he red shirt him hell or high water throughout the year. Uh-huh. Barring exception, but uh, I like that dynamic. I think, um, I think Longo and Luke in particular can have the demeanor to kind of handle somebody like, you know, that may like this, that you may need to calm down for lack of a better term. And, as opposed to Freeze, who, I mean, you talk about addicted to drama. That was huge. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and Paul, I want to get your thoughts on, on Matty Ice in, in one second, but I got one more point before that. Honestly, I'm encouraged that Matt Luke and his staff, you know, especially Matt Luke, didn't shy away from Corral. You know, honestly, if you had asked me a month ago um, if I thought, you know, head coach Matt Luke would go hard after a talented kid, but one with all this baggage attached. And I should also say, jumping forward after USC, committed to Florida. I'm sure everybody knows that. Um, you know, there's debate over whether Dan Mullen really wanted to sign him. I think Dan Mullen wouldn't have minded signing him just so his fans didn't think he was just letting a four-star QB leave. But he definitely isn't a big physical running quarterback like Mullen likes. I mean, he's more of a pocket passer with a really strong arm. Um, but I just find it encouraging that Matt Luke, you know, as apparently – wants to win more than he's worried about either perception or, you know, behavior or whatever. And to me, I was encouraged by that. But Paulie, I want to hear from you. Uh, what was your reaction to Matt Corral? Um, I mean, I don't think any of us were expecting to be ex- that excited about a recruit in this class a couple of weeks ago. So it's pretty cool. Well, first of all, I think it's, I think it's a big positive that uh, he punched uh, Wayne Gretzky's son. Absolutely. Uh, Wayne Gretzky's son sounds kind of like a little shit. I don't really know much about him. <laughs> But um, and so seemingly Matt Corral seems kind of like a little shit, but he's like 18, like like you said. But no, I, I think it's I think it's a great sign. If you would have asked me the quarterback that would have signed in this class, I, I couldn't give you any names, but right. probably like that Clayton Tune guy who was like okay. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, in Texas or something, and we, and we end up having you need to sign a quarterback. We sign kind of a reach, but uh, Matt Corral seems like a really good quarterback out of high school. You know, everyone has a lot of good things to say about him. So uh, that's certainly encouraging, and uh, I, I honestly, like like everyone else, didn't think Matt Luke and Longo had it in them. But uh, you know, they quietly went about their business and went and plucked this kid from. You know, he had he had he had some good offers. You know, Florida would probably would have taken him, like you said, and uh, you know he he had a USC offer at some point and probably had some other good other good opportunities there. So uh, very surprising and and very pro Matt Corral. Mm-hmm. I mean, and uh, I want to hear from you guys how much credit for this we're going to give to Longo, how much I think this is a Luke thing, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I think some of some of what must have drawn him to Oxford was just a success uh, under Freeze and now under Luke that quarterbacks have had the last, what's it been, six, seven years uh, in Oxford, I guess six years. Um, and one more thing, I think I might be sealing this from someone, but am I limited uh, looking at uh, Corral's film, what people have said about him and all, I, I think what we're going to get is kind of 
the style of Bo Wallace, that gunslinger, um, you know, not afraid to run even though you're going to get destroyed when you only need to get one yard, uh, just kind of super competitive edge um, with the tools of Chad Kelly with that strong arm uh, and, the, and the quick release. He has, he has a really quick release. So I'm excited about that. I, I mean, obviously Dr. Bo was known uh, not for having the best decision-making. I think sometimes he got unfairly labeled um, as, a, as a bad decision-making quarterback, but – not necessarily looking forward to the interceptions that will come with that gunslinger mentality, but at the same time, I think it's fun to have a QB like that. Everybody likes, uh, you know, alpha dog, super competitive, um, just making plays out there. Uh, kind of what we thought, you know, Shea Patterson was going to be like after the Texas A&M game last year. Never really recaptured that that playmaking magic as much. Uh, but super, super pumped about uh, what what Matt Corral might be able to do. And yeah, I want to hear I want to hear that question I brought up a couple minutes ago. Um, is this a hundred percent, is this a long go recruit? I mean, he wasn't ever on freezes radar long goes the QB coach long goes the OC. He's got to get some credit for this, right? I think, I think quarterback, it's a combination of the head coach and the OC. And here's what's apparent to me. And he deserves a ton of credit is Matt Luke. And then supported by Longo and the rest of his staff. They, They have a legitimate plan here that they're out executing. And that, that this didn't just happen or come together it's, once Luke got the job. It's kind of this impressive. Is, and I think we maybe should give Bjork a little bit of credit because I, I feel like they must have laid this plan oh, out in oh, those interviews. No, 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 no. We're not giving Bjork credit. <laughs> We're not giving Vitter credit either. Well, I'm not trying to give Vitter any credit. <laughs> I'm trying to explain this to the group text that the AD can be an idiot. The chancellor can be an idiot. You can have a university with a bunch of good old boys because that's pretty much all of them. Yet the coach can actually manage it all and be successful. And we'll is see. This is, this is before he's ever played a game, but hopefully. Yes, I hope so. Because yeah, yeah, it's December. and What the hell else are we going to talk about? Andy Kennedy's already dead man walking. We'll get yeah, there. In pretty much. Uh, Vitter's got to be happy about the way he sabotaged AK uh, and the result he created. We're not talking about Vitter. Anyway, um, but Luke, I mean, this was months in the making. And to their credit, they didn't put all their eggs in the corral basket. They went, they had tune in, but instead of taking the commitment, they waited a week. Mm-hmm. And they saw, and he and Longo saw, there's an opportunity here. And they went out there, went at home, and got the deal closed and shut down before he went visiting anywhere else. He's going to sign. Uh, what the 20th is on Wednesday. He's going to sign Wednesday. Quietly executed, so everybody was giving it was all in like, oh, they're just going to recruit a bunch of Mississippi three stars. Mississippi made this and that. Mm-hmm. They go out and sign a top one hundred quarterback out of California. Mm-hmm. I mean, holy cow! I think the other thing cor- would attract Corral to Ole Miss is let's look around. I mean, the SEC is still considered the best league, even though they had a down year from a from an NFL talent pool perspective. It's got the most dudes. And you look around, Alabama is not that attractive because they run such a – they restrict it off. And I think quarterbacks don't get looked at very – as being very good there because all the talent around them. Mm-hmm. Auburn, Gus run, Gus has to run his kind of funky system. Now, he, Gus has made strides this year, this year with Stidham that he hasn't before. Georgia has got, got from. He's going to be there. Florida's been an offensive disaster since Tim Tebow left campus. Mm-hmm. 
you look at the rest, I mean, Ole Miss has really done, I mean, since Freeze was there between Bo and then Chad and then Shea, for, Shea and Tamu, I mean, Ole Miss has had probably consistently the best quarterback play of the group. Oh, yeah, statistically, yeah. And it's a it's a quarterback happy, but yet and I think people, I mean, it's been good for quarterbacks, but it's not the most talented. It's it's Do we- generally – a talented offense, but it's not. You know, it doesn't have the stigma of oh, it's just a bunch of five stars running around next to the guys out there. Yeah, here's a question yeah. about the quarterbacks this season in the SEC: If either Shea or Tom U plays the entire season at Ole Miss in Longo's system, are they first team QB over Drew Locke? That was a little confusing to me. Was he first team QB? Yeah, 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 yeah. Did not know he that. was first team QB. Yep, yep. Who was second team? Uh, not hurts. I think it was, I think it was South Carolina. Maybe who's South Carolina QB? Bentley. No, it wasn't Bentley. I don't think it was Bentley. I'll I'll look it up. Oh, can you think of a worse SEC where those are the two guys? I don't think it was Bentley though. But but I'll let you know. Pretty bad. From or Stidham? Maybe From was second team. From was definitely all freshman. Ole Miss has got the best quarterback depth in the conference with Corral. Well, it's top four with Corral and Tamu. Yeah. I mean, I think on a – I mean, Tommy's got to be a top three QB in the league. He just doesn't have the running backs in the line that some of the – like a Jalen Hurts has. I mean, Hurts sucks. Yeah. Uh, people talked about Fitzgerald. I mean, the guy – I mean, I'm sorry. I know he doesn't Stidham, have the best Stidham receivers in the second. world. He's a terrible passer. Yeah, he's he, he, like 55% this year. Uh, Stidham, he's bad. He's Stidham was second team, John. So you, you mentioned him earlier. Who is? Stidham was second team. Uh, yeah, A.J. Brown, first team wide receiver with Calvin Ridley. Of course. But yeah. so what, what about my question? Do you all think a healthy Shea Patterson, 6-6 six and six Shea Patterson, gets first team? No. First or second, for sure. But why is Drew Lockett first team? What did they do this year? Didn't he throw like he set the touchdown record right in yeah. the SEC for a single shit season? Ton of touchdowns and nobody else is any good. Yeah, I guess so. For the full season. Yeah, I'm looking at his stats right now. Um, yeah, he had 43 touchdowns. I believe that's the record. Yeah, that's, like that's, he set the record this that, year. That is a lot. That is a lot of touchdowns. Thinum was good when Carryon Johnson was. Good. Wow, dude! Drew Locke's passer rating was 168.3. Holy crap. What was the good. TD to interception ratio? Uh, forty three to twelve. Oh, he threw forty three touchdowns. Yeah, Paul was just saying it's the record. All right, so we'll we'll quit with the Drew Lock slander on this podcast. Did y'all see? Uh, this is just totally random thought, but on Twitter, like one time, I think this was like a month or two ago, in the middle of the season, Parham tweeted some mild criticism of Drew Lock, and like there's a random Twitter account that just replies to everybody that talks bad about Drew Locke and, like, gets really mad. It's like his mom or something. It was really funny. And Parham, <laughs> like, funny. Parham retweeted it. It was really funny. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, so, all right, Drew Locke, best quarterback in the league. After that, maybe a little Jordan Tom U action. Is, is Stidham, uh, was he a grad transfer or is he there again next year? He might be there two more years, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, yeah he's yeah, at least one. So, with, with, sure two. with Gus getting a big contract extension, two more years of Stidham, I mean, they might be the class of the West along with Alabama these next two years, huh? They're going to be tough next year. They bring him. Is Carrion Johnson come back? I was wondering that. Their running backs are always – they always seem to have someone waiting in the wings, but they, they come and go rather frequently. Carrion's yeah, damn good, though. Yeah, no, Auburn has had amazing running backs uh, under under Malzahn. Um, 
Wait, Oops. so how did Stidham? Did he get a JUCO or something? How did he? How did he get immediately eligible from Baylor? So he he went to he JUCO started. but didn't play. Oh, I see. I see. He spent one semester at McLennan Community College. He was a scout team high school scout team quarterback. Was it? But did he? He spent a season there. Huh? I was like, he he missed a season. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He literally. Okay. So he sat out a year. That's how he did it. I guess that makes mm-hmm. sense. Carryon Johnson's a junior. We'll see if he goes pro or not. Yeah. I would as a running back. Yeah. If you're if you're a running back, do you ever come back senior year? That's just a bad idea. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he he can play. You have a short you have a short lifespan as a as a running back in the NFL. Three. I want that extra especially, year to get especially paid. if you're already hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just can't imagine if you think you're going to be drafted, not just trying to go as a junior. How do, does it? So the way the rules work now, if you declare, you can't come back, right? Like if you don't get drafted, because isn't that what happened to Deronio Wilson? I thought it was if you. No, I think, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of basketball where you can declare. Yeah, in basketball you can hire an agent and still come back, but I think in football uh, you get a grade. It's either first, second round, or like go back to school. Uh, I think I think after that, if you still choose to declare, I think you can't come back. Because I know State would have taken Deronio <laughs> no, Wilson back. Right. No, yeah, you can't, you can't come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's tough. But still, I think if I was anywhere close to being drafted as a running back, I'd have to think long and hard because it's such a short life cycle. And that kind of brings us – I mean, we can get back to Matty Ice, but that, that kind of thought process I want to talk about as well um, with another big commit that Ole Miss got this week. Further off in the future, talking about a 2019 recruit. Um, there's a lot of debate here. Uh, I know Paul feels, you know, he might feel one way about it, and we'll see. But uh, Jerry and Ely out of Jackson Prep. Yeah, Jackson Prep here uh, in the Metro commits to Ole Miss. He's a top 10 MOB draft prospect in 2019. He's a four-star running back as well. Um and the reason I was kind of making that NFL running back comparison was um, he commits to Ole Miss in both baseball and football. Really, what Ole Miss is fighting against now is, you know, a couple million dollars from the MLB. It's it's honestly a lot harder to recruit against than, you know, another SEC West school or something. I'd rather us be in another Cam Maker situation right now than, than up against this. But I guess we'll see how it all shakes out. I mean, what did you all think about this commitment? It would be great if he came to school at Ole Miss. I just I have serious doubts with his baseball talent. I really, at this point, I don't care if he actually comes to Ole Miss. I think they go and get Corral one one day, and they get his commitment the next day. It, it to me, it's back to the whole Matt Luke actually has a plan thing. I mean, he's that's him saying, "Look, guys, we got all our bases covered." When the press conference? Well, yeah, well, I think he did fine in the press conference. It wasn't anything like, "Oh my gosh," but well, I'm just saying, I think I think getting a high profile commitment that will never come to your school is the the definition of just a positive PR move, but maybe it'll come. It's a lottery ticket, right? Everybody says it's a lottery ticket. You'd rather you have it than someone else, so whatever. And you know what? He might come. It would be sick. Put the 2019 class class together, especially when State has a – State's got a new coach that doesn't have the connections that Ole Miss has internally, at least with Luke and whatnot. And I've talked about how good that class is in State. It's nothing but positive. It's positive point. for sure. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I were the kid, I would probably go take a million five and, you know, not, you know, play running back in the SEC. And, you know, that's kind of a that's kind of a risk. Uh, you know, you can hurt yourself and kind of ruin the whole thing. 
But, I mean, I, I don't see how it's not a positive. Um, I mean, this kid out offers to, you know, like Florida State and, I don't know, some of the other big schools. Um, I think it's a great thing that he's committed to Ole Miss, and, and we'll Absolutely. see. It's a little early, but yeah, nothing but a good thing to me. Yeah, definitely positive. Um, his his film at running back looks awesome. You know, grain of salt. Jackson Prep doesn't necessarily play against the fastest defenses um, in in the South, but still, he he looks great on film. Like I said, I haven't seen any any of his baseball film, but with his draft grade, I think uh, he must be a great player. He has real, I saw some of his stats. You know, he, he gets on base more than fifty percent of the time. Really fast. He had like twenty or thirty stolen bases last season. I mean, it definitely seems like. If he gets drafted super high as he's projected as of now, um, the team the, the the plan would be for you know maybe an NL team or something to bring him up quickly like Anthony offered and you know have him for pinch running and situations like that as he develops the rest of his game. Um, so that's definitely not not a bad life at all either. I mean, if you're gonna you know nobody nobody says that it's glamorous to play in the minor leagues, but if you got a couple million or you know even a million dollar signing bonus in the bank. Um, I think it probably makes riding those buses a lot more pleasant. And with a guy with that kind of speed, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I can tell, I think speed and base running are the quickest way to actually make a roster in the MLB right now. Um, least development needed, you know, to actually contribute to a game. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Um, we got some more news here at the top of the show. Uh, I don't. I don't actually know. When this came out, I think it's been tonight here on Monday night at some point. We just saw it before we started. Van Jefferson announces he's going to Florida. Um, he's going to go play for Dan Mullen, uh, put on the orange and blue. I mean, my honest reaction is okay. Like, he'll never play against Ole Miss. They're not on the schedule. Um, he, he wasn't going to see that much time next year. I mean, Lodge already showed this year that he was going to get more production in Longo's system than Van Jefferson. Honestly, I feel bad for Van uh, because we always talked about how great his route running was, and then we hired an OC that doesn't have any routes. Um, so that's kind of shitty, and I totally don't blame him at all for leaving. Uh, one, so one funny thing here, I opened up this, uh, this thread. <laughs> Go ahead, John. He's an average receiver. I think he's good. I think he's a, maybe a good receiver in the right system and like a pro-style system. He could be great. He- Six and a half out of ten. He's not bad. You would keep him for depth and everything, and he'd get some catches. Purely for not. depth, though. Yeah, it's not someone that you would think, oh, this guy's going to carry us next season by any means. Um, so not not a huge blow. I was going to say I opened up this thread on uh, the Rebel Grove message board. It says, the Piers of Jefferson has decided to transfer to Florida. And the, uh, the third comment in the thread just says, trashy move. So I'm not sure. I don't know where they're getting that. I don't know what's trashy about you know some kid going to play somewhere else where he might have a better chance to get on the field and be more of a focal point. Oh, fans are insane. Not just Ole Miss fans. Fans of every every school. I mean, this is not this is not Van Jefferson. Um, it, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is Van Jefferson is not going to play for Dan Mullen in Florida to hurt our feelings. Van Jefferson is just doing what Van Jefferson thinks he needs to do. Like people take this stuff so personally. And I guarantee you the kids playing football don't give a shit about you as a fan. And they don't care about your rivalries and which coaches make you angry and all that stuff. It just, just calm down people. Like, like John was saying, there's a lot more good news than bad news right now for, for Luke and Ole Miss. So I would say, be happy, be happy that, you know, you're going to maybe, maybe that makes, 
the wide receiver room more appealing to recruits. We'll get to that in just a second, you know, because right now your three big pass catchers outside of, you know, the great Dawson Knox, the other three, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Demarcus Lodge, um, Lodge will be a senior next year. AJ and DK will both be draft eligible. Um, so if Van Jefferson going to Florida, one opens up another scholarship you can use in this recruiting cycle, uh, and two makes the wide receiver, you know, room look a little bit more open, a little bit more appealing to, to freshmen. Really, it's it sounds like a net positive to me, but we'll see. Question: So, so Van uh, Van played slot this year, right? He still played slot. I think so. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so like behind AJ, he was a great. He was great. I think he's a very good player, but I mean. AJ Brown also plays slot, and you know, it's more of a depth thing. And then yeah. also, uh, Braylon Sanders looked pretty good, you know, in limited he time. That pass. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see more out of him next year for sure. Absolutely. Um, so I mean, it's not. He's. I, I feel like Van is one of two guys that's like a legitimately talented guy. You know, that could probably have gone really anywhere in the country with Shea and Van. And uh, but at the end of the day, it's really just a depth thing, mm-hmm. and it will be kind of nice to see. Uh, see Braylon out there and, and continue to develop because we're going to need him the next year a yep, lot. Absolutely. He might be the oldest guy in the wide receiver room. For sure. Um, yeah, and like I already touched on this, but I've I've been saying for a while now, and it's funny because you see it, every, like you can see it in pictures and all. Like basically Van Jefferson and Amarcus Lodge swapped places on this team when it comes to satisfaction level, when it comes to happiness, buy-in, production, all of that. You know, last year – after last season, you would have been told that Van Jefferson was the clear number two after AJ Brown. Some people thought he was the best receiver. You know, he just he did so much better before Longo's system was implemented. You get Longo in here uh, this season. Demarcus Lodge is loving it. You know, he's him and AJ Brown. I mean, DK Metcalf, Metcalf obviously, but he's such an old misconnected person that it's it's you know we never really thought that he was gonna be negative um, with Luke and all that. But I think Lodge and AJ Brown have been two of the biggest. Um, proponents of Matt Luke and people still openly saying, I'm buying in, I'm happy, I'm excited about the future, we're going to make this work. So, honestly, happy for Demarcus Lodge. His first couple years in Oxford were rough. Uh, if you remember as a freshman, he had that one touchdown catch on like a nothing game that Freeze burned his red shirt for. Uh, and on the season, Freeze asked if he wanted to burn his red shirt, and he said yes, and he just let him do it. Like, that's some, some great coaching right there. Um, pretty cool. His second season, he struggled. Like I said, Van Jefferson was was the one that was kind of breaking out. Uh, they're in the same class, and Jefferson redshirted, and and the Marcus didn't. So I'm happy to see him be successful. Um, I always thought the Marcus was cool. You know, he was kind of he was kind of the offensive gem of that of that class. If you remember, four star wide receiver. That was kind of that was the Drew Richmond year. I want to say um, a the lot same of people guy that totally quit on that. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But that was when Shea was the quarterback. John, you're forgetting. Oh, oh shit! You're right. Yeah, okay. I, I, I support exactly. It. That was before the real team came together with the uh, the throwing Samoan. Yeah. Oh baby. Yeah. Quitting on that, I can support. Right. Exactly. I mean, you're the one that you're the one that said AJ dropped that pass on purpose in whatever game that was. I forgot. Arkansas or something. Oh, Texas A and M. Texas A and M. Yeah, yeah. That was, but that wasn't for Shea. That was because uh, not hire Luke, right? Yeah, yeah. Inside that was, job. That, that was a trash drop. That was a bad <laughs> drop. I, I watched the season and I think he was upset about it. So I guess it was. I guess it was legit. Um, oh man. Yeah, let's talk about wide receiver. Wide, uh, wide receiver recruits. Excuse me, I teased it a little bit a few minutes ago. Um, 
apparently, you know, with Matty Corral on the bus, obviously that makes Ole Miss a little bit more appealing to wide receivers. You already have this reputation of producing a lot with wide receivers. Um, and then you, you got a young Jacob Peeler, you know, energetically out here recruiting these guys. And uh, apparently there are four four-star receivers that Ole Miss is kind of in on right now. Um, and I'm expecting them to take at least, I mean, I want to say at least three, maybe two be more realistic, but by all indications, there's a good chance they might even take all four. Um, obviously it has a lot to do with numbers and the, and the spots opening up and all of that. Um, but Hey, like we talked about, if all three of the, of your big veteran receivers leave after next season, you'd be really happy to have those four, four stars waiting in the wings. But more than that, it's going to be really hype if all those guys come, because talk about wide receiver you, right? I mean, that just cements the position. I can get these I'm guys curious, some info on I'm them. curious to see how they do with running back. Yeah, are, okay. are we expecting? What are we expecting next year out of the running backs that are on the roster? Yeah, well, recruiting wise, they got the Scotty Phillips guy, but then there's apparently some other three star. I think it was two four. Yeah, seven. the the Charles the Charles Strong guy. I think they can get committed, but they're going to wait. I've been hearing I mean, about Charles Strong for so long. I don't know why. I think he's like related to an FSU running back or something. The, this is the guy that FSU, the decommitted from FSU. He's like a two or a three star, but there's something there's something about him that people are are big on. I don't know. I guess the thing, Jordan Wilkins quietly had a thousand yard season. Very quietly. But so you're Matt Luke. You're an offensive line, former offensive lineman, now the head coach. You adjusted the scheme to where you run a thousand yards. You can go. You can go sit down in front of somebody and say, "Look, Longo and I, we, you know, we're committed to each other. We meshed throughout the year, but it took us a few games to get going here. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had a thousand yard rusher against Alabama. I mean, I know they got the they got blown out like crazy in that game, but you know, <laughs> yeah. play along here. You're talking to a gullible seventeen year old kid, so you can say this shit, and they're not they're gonna go, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be even better. So, point. I guess where I'm going with this. I'm curious to see how he recruits running back because you would think it'd be something that Luke would value. Right. Former, former lineman who's a center. I think Longo, I mean, at least showed some willingness to run the ball. If they're going to keep Longo as OC, he's got to be on board with it because Luke's going to want to run the ball one way or the other. I, I think Longo likes running the ball. I think he just, you know. He likes passing it a little bit more, but still, it's he he runs the ball a lot to open up. I that. just want to make one. People like to make fun of Longo for having twenty eight plays or whatever it is. I'll tell you, somebody else that runs twenty something plays is Mike Leach, and he's been pretty damn good all these years. Very true. In the one year that he had a stud top ten receiver, Michael Crabtree, he went eleven and one. So, the idea that he, you know twenty five plays or whatever isn't enough. It's just crap. It's college football. You got you go out there, you execute. How many plays did Ole Miss really run the second half of twenty fifteen? With Chad and Cole. That's a good question. I mean that's a good point. Really basic off Freeze Freeze ran basic shit and he would just have one wrinkle a game pretty much that and people give him credit for being some tactician. What are you gonna say, Paul? Yeah, on the on the Longo thing. I mean, this was the first year this offense was was in the uh, was in D, uh, FBS, I, guess, I suppose. Yep. Uh, where did Longo come from again? Sam Houston, Sam Houston State. Yeah, so it was, he was running it there. Uh, I mean, I thought it pretty did pretty well in the that's first. Not, that's year. not FBS. 
right? Or not FBS. Uh, yeah, FCS, F- right? Or down a level. Yeah, yeah, because they were in the FCS playoffs, I remember, when we hired him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I thought it did pretty well in year one. I do think there are some uh, some things that he kind of needs to work on a little bit. Like, in the second half of games, certain teams figured out what we were doing and completely yeah. shut down what we had done in the first half. Um, there's some. Was it A and M where we scored like 24 yep. points in the first half? And yeah, it just looked like it well, just like went off the train. That was the problem with Arkansas. That. Couldn't couldn't keep up with them when they started scoring. Yeah, and it's not like we you know players went down or anything. Just something happened. I'm not. I think that might be an issue, but I, I don't know. Longo, he wasn't the worst. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I. <sighs> I don't know. I, I think the criticism of Longo is fair. I, I think John's right that you don't need that many plays to be successful in college. At the same time, is Matt, is Mike Luke really you know the standard we want to set for success? I'm a I'm a Mike Leach. Sorry, I said Mike Luke right. Mike Leach. I'm a I'm a Mike Leach fan. Um, but he he beats bad opponents by a lot and loses sometimes too, right? Which is kind of the Longo philosophy. I don't know. I guess his problem is he loses to bad opponents too, like Portland, right? Yeah, he's done that, but like I said, I mean, 2015 Ole Miss didn't run that many plays when they really got their stuff together. Yeah, I I think that's fair. I mean, they should have run that Tunsil touchdown play. Maybe Longo expands it. All the time. I'm really – the other interesting factor is how how much better is this staff going to be next year? A, they've all worked together as a unit for a Mm -hmm. year. B, they've had a whole offseason – See, you look at Luke and Longo in particular, and McGriff. They're all so new, all yeah. Their first year in that role. Let's see what they do. They should be a lot more confident next year. And I, I, I hope to God that when they show Luke on the sidelines next year, he's actually talking into the headset and not just like standing there, like listening and just kind of yeah. looking, looking like confused. Like I, I don't want Luke to meddle in the units. You know, I want him to let his coaches coach, but. He he needs to at least be involved in the general game plan, the the emotional part of the game, all of that. And sometimes when ga- when games are going bad for Ole Miss this season, Luke just looked totally out of his element. But honestly, I've already seen a lot more confidence from him as the season's gone on. I think in the Egg Bowl, he looked like I wouldn't say a completely different coach, but he he definitely. I mean, he there were some bad moments in the Egg Bowl. I mean that that timeout that directly led to State getting that three points before halftime. Uh, glares out, glares is glaring in my memory. I should say stands out. Um, but still, you know, Bjork said in the interview, he presented a plan to fix some of his, his own shortcomings. So I just, I have to hope things are going to be better next year when it comes at least to timeouts and the clock. And I mean, shit, can we, can we get some, the penalty disciplined out a little bit? I mean, there were so many, so many penalties last year, um, especially second half of the season. I think the common – I don't know why people think this in coaching, but it, it's almost like you are what you are. People just think that. Mm-hmm. But you got to think, you know, like in you know everyone else's job, you get better. Yeah, um, especially when so you're I, as young as these guys are. Right. And when was the last time Matt Luke was a head coach? Like has he ever been a, a head coach anywhere uh, at all? I don't think so. I think Matt Luke's – no, he's 41. He's a 41-year-old coach. I mean, I mean, he was playing at Ole Miss in the '90s, and he's he's been on staff for what six years with Freeze, and he was at he was with Cutcliffe before that, right at Duke. I yeah, mean, yeah. He's I don't think he's ever been a head coach um, at any level. So yeah, it's it's definitely a learning curve. Um, 
No, I'm not saying they're going to go nine and three next year and Matt Luke's the next John Vaughn. I want to make this clear too to certain people listening. But yeah, we should set expectations. It, but the point is, is you know, interesting. to see how this develop. How you know? How does he develop? How much better does he get next year? How does much Longo get? Uh, what does McGriff do? How does McGriff recruit? He's known as a good recruiter. Mm-hmm. That side of the ball has infinite instant playing time to offer, which right, true. I'm watching Ole Miss be semi confident on the recruiting trail as a reminder that 17 year old high school kids have essentially are going to think that put them on the field with the team and right. they're going to make gonna make the difference. Right, playing time. Ole Miss has had enough people make it to the NFL in the past few years that you can sit there and say that's there's a path you know Ole Miss is as viable as a path as anywhere yeah well I want to say I want to I want to say like what really matters to a 17 year old athlete looking at a college right I think number one is the coach a cool guy someone I trust someone I like someone I actually want to be around for the next several years Um, for me the second one is is the school a cool place is it fun is there stuff to do there uh, does it have its own cool identity? And you know, I, I mean, I think a party scene probably matters to a lot of these kids. Um, and then, and then maybe third, I think probably is playing time. Where do you fit on the team? And maybe you can switch, you know, two and three depending on the kid. Uh, but right now, if you believe that Luke is a player's coach that these kids, you know, want to play for, I think Ole Miss is satisfying all three of those requirements. I would add momentum to that. I mean, fair it, as it stands right now. You know, I'm not saying there's a t- you know. A, a ton of momentum in Ole Miss's favor, but things are are slowly beginning to look up a little more. It's a fresh start. I think kids I mean, want Luke to jump a, on. Luke is a fresh start, right? Yeah, I mean, kids want to jump on, you know, something new or jump onto something where you know it looks like there's hope. You know, like right. they can. They always say, "Do something special." You know, what does that mean? Nothing really, but mm-hmm. you know, that's what they say. Um, I think Ole Miss offers that at this point, right now, at least. You know, who's who think, is the who is the least appealing? program in the west to a recruit right now is it back to state uh depends if or, you like if you like chad morris Arkansas. i mean i think i think lsu is Arkansas. up there i think Ordron doesn't necessarily inspire confidence but they're always lsu no uh, lsu is if you play for lsu you're very likely an elite athlete yep that's I true i think arkansas but not not moorhead at state Moorhead ran a damn good is ran a highly regarded offense at Penn State. Yeah, but Chad Morris is uh, like a preacher type, not a damn Yankee. I I just I can't, what I can't get past with Arkansas is you compare Brett Bielema's credentials when right. he took the job versus Chad Morris's credentials when he took the job. Well, maybe they're trying something not, to do. They're like, let's change it up. Not even a conversation. No, it's I mean, not. Brett Bielema was a proven football coach and Bielema went to, went to the Rose Bowl, right? At Wisconsin, he went to the Rose Bowl three times. Yeah, and uh, what Chad Morris went like seven, and he seven even and five. Five hundred at Arkansas, you might have a problem. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I I guess they think Chad Morris is better because he's more connected to that area, right? Like he has more, and we can get Austin's take on this on a future episode. Uh, Austin and I got into we had a decently long conversation about it this weekend. I'll okay. proxy. Yeah, tell this us. Point, look, Bielema, it, it wasn't working. You had to do something different. Chad Morris is something different. But okay. 
I mean, he is a different coach. That's true. Bielema brought basically the ground and pound to Arkansas and expected that to win. I don't, I mean, I, I think that's kind of hard to do considering also like Alabama was doing that and they kind of even abandoned it. Yeah. I just don't think that's something you can really, I mean, Alabama at runs first, a, you know, like Neil McCree, now, right? you know, they're saying, yeah, they run a, well, Hertz is dual threat and so is Tua. Yeah. Tua's going to be their QB next year. Oh, no doubt about it. All right, finish your thought, Pauly. No, we'll cut you off. Oh, no worries. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure why they thought that was going to, you know, work. Like, I, I know Neil McCready, his thing for a while was that, you know, it can be Arkansas's thing and they can carve out a, right. you know, a niche. But, like, I, I just don't think you can do that these days at all. Yeah, well, because it's too – it's too, well, we say that as a team that Arkansas has thoroughly dominated for the past, you know, what, five seasons. But still, yeah, I agree. There's too many moving pieces. Uh, there's a reason, I guess, is, is my point, that the prevailing offensive and defensive um, philosophies of the day are that way, you know, because they counter the traditional methods. They do a better job. And I, I think that that's what Bielema ran into. Um, and also probably some recruiting. I'd love to hear Austin uh, give me a recap of how Arkansas recruited the past three seasons, but I feel like he had some misses that had to contribute to that. Um, and, like, when you're recruiting for that kind of a thing, I mean, so, like a, like a high school coach, like Freeze or Malzahn, they're kind of known for, well, I'm going to make it work with whatever athletes I have, right? We're going to get the ball to the playmakers, uh, the system that Bielema was running, not so much, right? I mean, you needed very talented offensive linemen. You needed great running backs. Um, and then you need a QB that can run play action and throw it to the tight ends and all that stuff. Uh, it's just it's more any one miss, whether it's a tackle or a running back uh, or a tight end, I feel like had a bigger impact than on a, a spread system that's kind of just like, well, if we have a running back, we'll focus on him. If we have a wide receiver, we'll focus on that. Um, it's more more of a complete team, I felt like, was needed to run Beal in the system. And was offense even the real problem there? I mean, his defenses weren't great either, right? I think it was just overall talent. There were, he just didn't – he couldn't recruit up the level of the West. So what is the blueprint at Arkansas for recruiting? You can't lose any in-state kid ever. Do you then go into Texas? Is that the, is that the secret? You got to have some base in Texas, but that's hard to establish. Well, maybe right? Morris. Maybe Morris can help with that. Maybe I mean, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go get a kid or two out of Dallas. Problem is, it's five hours from Dallas to Fayetteville. Yeah, it's a boring. It's a boring five hours too. You're not through a lot of civilization. Fayetteville is very remote. I've been. It's beautiful, uh, but it's it's way up there for sure. Um, it's its own corner, and that's what's tough about recruiting there. Yeah. It's the and, same. I mean, Arkansas has got the same problems Nebraska have. From, right. As from standpoint, Nebraska with Arkansas less, doesn't less even history. put out much talent. I mean, like it's not. I don't think it even is as much as Mississippi. No, I think it's less than Mississippi for sure. That's not even comparable. Yeah, because I, I think the knock on Mississippi is that the guys are raw, that they come from wing T high schools and that kind of thing. But in Arkansas, I don't even think that they have the raw yeah. talent. St. Louis because, I mean, Mizzou's kind of got St. Louis under, you know, and is Kansas City really a, uh, a football hub? I mean, Kansas has been trashed for so long, I'm going to say no. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I just don't know if there's a really a path beyond eight wins there at Arkansas just because of its 
I mean, you, you look at Ole Miss, even. I mean, Ole Miss, the formulas have a decent, a good base of in-state talent. Keep that healthy. You'll win seven, eight games a year with that. And then you've got enough of a brand to go get a few kids from different spots. And the thing is, too, I mean, it, it's five hours from Dallas to – the Fayetteville, it's only it's six from Atlanta to Oxford. I mean, when you think about everything that's in between Atlanta and Oxford, you got Nashville, Memphis, I mean, North Louisiana will produce some talent. Yeah, so I just looked up some Arkansas stats here. I don't know how the state itself breaks down, but the school of Arkansas is only 4.7% black. So, I mean, like that's – I don't know how much I crucially care about that, but I think it would be weird to be like the only black people on campus pretty much are the athletes. You know, I feel like that's got to make it a little harder to recruit as well. Um, Arkansas is not a particularly diverse state, uh, at least not up there in the mountainous regions. Um, the Delta is a little different, a little more similar to Tennessee or Mississippi. Um that's tough, man. I don't know. I don't know what the, the the secret is there. I mean, you have a ton of money. You got the Walton money. Um, you got the you got the Jerry Jones money, right? The question is, what do you do with it? I don't know. So it's a really nice campus, a really nice stadium. Um, I guess that's a positive. It's it's got to be a tough sell for people that want to play close to home, right? Because even if your mom comes see you play, she has to drive like like you said five hours into the mountains to do it. That's a rough. That's rough. Um, I wonder how hard it is to fly into Fayetteville. Probably pretty tough. Well, you got it's five and a half hours from Shreveport to Fayetteville. I mean, that's North Louisiana. Yeah, the Shreveport's yeah. They're just there in the middle of nowhere, basically. It really is. Yeah, that's that's got to be the most remote. They've got a a regional airport. They actually they. Flies to they got direct flights to LaGuardia thanks to Walmart and JB Hunt. Right, yeah, I'm sure. But I mean, beyond that, you're talking just your standard regional stuff around around the south. Yeah, I guess you can fly into Little Rock and drive like three and a half. I want to say maybe a little bit more than that, maybe four. Um, but yeah, it's a neat area, but it's it's not set up for it's it's cool. The natural state, you know, it's it's cool when it comes to like the wilderness and all. It's not conducive to have an elite football program, as far as I'm concerned. I would agree. I would agree. They won when uh, put a team together there, and then he wrecked his motorcycle. When do they win, Paul? Oh, yeah, they with won Petrino. Uh, when Petrino was there. That was like their. Uh, they had a little. They had a little something going on when Petrino was there. They had a hell of a passing. It game. crashed and burned. Yeah. <laughs> Nice pun. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh. Well, we can stop. We can stop talking about um about Arkansas now. But it's, it's interesting to think about you know what their thought process really was when it came to well, let's fire Bielema and then why not let's just hire Chad Morris. Like, okay, all right, you do it. Do what makes you happy. Maybe, maybe, is it just maybe it's us being Pollyanna, but. Paul, what do you think? I mean, it seems like Ole Miss, they've gotten their NCAA sanctions. That whole, all the freedom fighters have let that one go. They're moving on to the next things in college football. And Do kids really give a shit about bowl games? I don't think so, unless they want to in the playoff. They're, and they're able, recruits are, recruits are looking at it going, there's immediate playing time available. It's in the SEC West. Ole Miss, I mean, Ole Miss went to back-to-back access bowls. It's a campus where if you show walk around as an athlete, you're going to be well regarded. 
I mean, I guess it seemed like the. I don't know. I'm I'm surprised at how attractive I'm sitting here talking myself into the product being. At this yeah, point. really. You know, it's the, the Pollyanna episode. I know you're. We're going. You're. You're vacillating. It just depends on the type of year. Look, I know I've been. Uh, I've been chastised a little, at least a little bit, on the group text for being positive. Um, maybe a bit too positive. But honestly, when the sanctions dropped, when everything was happening, I mean, I, I was like ready to quit. Like I, I was mm-hmm. didn't want to listen about anything that oh, had yeah. to do with Ole Miss sports. I really thought I really thought things were down the drain, and this was going to take be something that took us, you know, five to six years to even you know sniff coming out of. But the more you think about it, it's the worst is over. I mean, you got one more you know, year of a bowl ban, if it was two, I could kind of, you know, another year in addition to this one, I could see where kids are like, you know, nah, you know, I can go somewhere else, but it's one year. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, a handful of scholarships and we're done. That's it. Yeah. Right. I mean, absolutely. I mean, they got off light. It's not that many scholarships. No, No. Uh, I think four this year, three next year. They can go sign 21 kids now. Yeah, I mean the transfers, like I said earlier in the show, could actually turn out to help you when it comes to to those scholarships. And and who knows if you know Matt Luke is going to turn out to be the the long term answer. But I think it was looking back on it. You know, the, the last time I was on the show is when we discussed the Luke hire. Looking back on it, it worked out. He prevented a mass exodus of players. Like I think if you maybe go hire Chad Morris, maybe AJ Brown and and Greg Little aren't there right now. Um. You know, I think those are just two helps. examples. It definitely helps with this early signing period. It would be interesting to see if any coaching changes happen after the signing period. Yeah. He did that. I know, Paul, I think you're on the record saying you think they will, right? Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff that I've heard is that I've, I've heard Derek Jones' name a lot. Not not the DB from, you know, a couple years ago or yeah. last year or whatever, but right. Derek Jones at Duke, who uh, played with Matt Luke and has, mm-hmm. has done a really nice job at. At um, at, at Duke um, I, I mean to right now I know people are saying no, but like right now is the not time not the time that you make those changes or even kind of you know floated out there that that's going to happen a few days away from early signing day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe people are just a, kind of assuming that he wants to keep the band together. But if I were Luke, you know, I'd want to kind of you know mix things up a little bit. I, I think there's a real disconnect between who the fans think are important staff members and who the staff thinks are important. Because, like, almost every fan I know that follows this stuff, like, even a little bit is, like, fire Harris, fire Knicks, right? Like, everybody says that. But then I notice recruits talk about these guys all the time. Have you all noticed this? Like, I mean – I'll be honest, because there's not a ton of people listening. Like, I, I think those two guys, low longevity, are, are, are involved in some sketchy stuff and maybe know where some bodies are buried, maybe are responsible for things that fans don't get to see. Um, no evidence of that whatsoever, but everyone's always wondering, why is Derek Nix the little miss? Why do recruits talk about you know, how much they like Derek Nix? I don't know. Trying to put it all together. This is from today. Uh, this guy, his name is something gray. He's like a... Sorry, Eric Gray. He's a running back for Memphis for 2019. And I know Derek Nix recruits Memphis. He said, I love it down there. It really stands out to me as a family atmosphere. Coach Luke Harris and Nix are all great guys. So I just it just makes me wonder, you know, maybe there's a reason 
that some changes don't get made that fans think would be a great change. I don't know. Food for thought. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I do you- still don't get Harris at all. I do think that Knicks probably is gets a little bit probably too much of uh, negativity. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he assigned some decent running backs. I think partially some of these guys haven't succeeded because of scheme. Uh, Jordan did pretty well this year, um, um, you know, playing in a spread offense. So he did. He, he has produced a thousand yard back. He looked good too. I mean, like Wilkins wasn't like I. I, I thought Wilkins looked really great this year, and maybe that's a product of the missed year due to eligibility. But at the same time, I wish we could have seen him last year as well because I thought he had a really great season this year overall. And honestly, Penamon looked good when you know he when he got some time. He he had some nice flashes and yeah. I mean, Swinney has looked okay at times. Swinney looked good. Penamon got hurt late in the season, right? Or maybe in the in the Egg Bowl even. A&M. Isn't it in the A&M game? Yeah. So those are the two next year, right? Those are their, those are your two main guys at running back? Hey, Buford's in there. I don't think he does anything. No, I think Buford's transferring. Good. There's uh, Scotty Phillips, the junior college running back. Right, he gray-shirted last year. <laughs> um, But still, I mean, so yeah, it's, it's Swinney and Penniman are your two main guys, it's, it seems like. Yeah, you need Penniman to come back healthy. Uh, that's I think be... that's. I mean, that's got to be your big question mark on the offense, right? You sh- you got to shuffle the offensive line, figure out how to make that work. But everybody well, else on the line. I mean, Rawlings is back. Rod Sims. Taylor. Rod Taylor's gone, right? So you got to figure out. Thankfully. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, I, but I think Rod Taylor's addition by subtraction. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. He played a lot of minutes. I have a little bit of a theory. So, like, when Alex – who was it that got hurt? Was it Alex, Alex Gibbons, Gibbons that got hurt? I so guess. So, he got hurt, and that's when we really started to kind of struggle with pass blocking because they had to move Rod Taylor out there and shuffle it around. When did he get Before hurt? Before then, we were getting some pretty good protection. What what game did he get hurt? Uh, Somewhere in the middle of the year. Raw, Rawlings getting hurt kind of – was not the best thing either. What do we make yeah. of the Alabama and Auburn games? Is that just we're just not going to have a chance against them in the in the near future, or were those bad I days? Think, um, yeah, I don't think you have a shot because before long. before this year, Ole Miss and Auburn have have been close since the Freeze era started, and obviously Alabama. I mean, Freeze played Alabama close three years in a row, won two of them. I think they need two years to get back there. Okay. So maybe maybe, maybe Corral's redshirt sophomore year. Yeah, I will. I will say I went to the and Alabama. That would require a lot of good defensive recruiting. Sorry, Paul, go on. Oh no worries. Um, I, I know everybody watched the Alabama game. I that was probably one of the only. That's one of the only road games I've ever been to. Oh yeah, um, you were there. I, I just don't like. I don't like going to games like like away games and then like being in this shitty town and like losing. So I just avoid them altogether. But right. I did go to the Alabama game knowing we were going to get killed. And so it was just going to be a fun time. Shea Patterson was an absolute liability that night. He played awful. Yeah, he, he, he had a bunch of grounding worse. penalties and turnovers. He, he looked really bad. He, I mean, I think we were not much better that night, but Tayom, I think Tayomi would have made things look a little better aesthetically in the end because – yeah, Shea, Shea played a shit game. He was awful. He uh, he tried to run around. And I I think I think that one broken play Menzel touchdown in the A and M game his freshman year kind of broke his brain. Where every time he felt any modicum of pressure, 
He was just thinking, well, if I run around for 10 seconds, there'll be somebody wide open, easy touchdown. And he tried that, like, seriously, at least 20 or 25 times this year, and it didn't work a single time. He maybe had yeah. some, de- but there was never a broken play like that one that he threw to Stringfellow to get the big touchdown against A&M. I just felt like he was chasing that all season. And, yeah, everybody said it, but Tom Yu played more within the system, more stuck to what he was supposed to be reading and deciding every play, and the, the results were better. What do you think happens in those games with, with Tiamu? Maybe a couple touchdowns to make it look less pathetic? Well, if you remember against LSU, like, so they take Shea out finally after he, whatever, you know, he had actually like gotten hurt and, and then still put him, playing. put him back in. I honestly think we would have had a shot at that game if Tiamu would have played more yeah, cause of that he almost, game. Yeah, because he got a field goal drive before half, right, and actually looked good doing it. Uh, but then – Shea played the, the third quarter and just was terrible and was hurt, right? That was the problem. Yeah, and we were moving the ball. We were moving the ball up and down the field on LSU with Tiamu. Like, we were. Yeah. What were you saying, John? Def- defense wasn't good enough to against the elite teams to stop them at all. Yeah, the, well, the defense was just wide open all year other, other than the Egg Bowl. Yep. They weren't stopping anything. They played pretty good against A&M. Yeah. I mean, I, I people have said that McGriff looked better as the year went on. I mean, yeah, that's fair, right? I still don't know who who we need to blame for the penalties. I know they're very frustrating. That was just kind of weird. I don't think of Luke or McGriff as undisciplined guys. They just had a bunch of penalties. Well, maybe it's not that they're undisciplined. It's just that when you're trying to do so much in a short period of time, something gets kind of left out, and maybe with an entire off season to work, they can they can. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Gonna blame Rod Taylor for all the penalties. Well, he was he did get called for a lot of them. Yeah, he was so dumb. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for your service. Like... Thank you for your service, Rod. You're a good rebel. I will say on McGriff, you know, I'll, I'll hold my judgment on McGriff, but he had something working against him that probably no team in the SEC had. The dude legitimately had one SEC linebacker that could play on, you know. First, second team on the entire team. That's like a per- that's a crazy personnel issue. Yeah, that's I mean, insane. I mean, how many safeties did he have? Like, not that many either. There was a lot of holes on the defense. His D line underperformed in a few games this year. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the team is supposed to be half decent. But it was the the depth was so bad everywhere else that if they weren't absolutely great, you know, it was just magnified because yeah, as soon as you just... I think McGriff got his scheme. Better up front the second half of the year. Yeah. Well, once you get pat, got past our first level, the you know it was going to be pretty hard if you had some momentum for anybody behind that to tackle you. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they did some things. I feel like later in the year to kind of like mask that a little bit. But early in the year, if you got past that first level, I mean, it was going to go for fifty yards. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, on that same topic. Uh, Ole Miss got a safety commit, Paul, from our alma mater. Uh, well, I think Cameron White, is that his name? Like the same name as the kid we signed last year from Clinton, <laughs> the Cam White. Uh, so that was cool. He's like a three-star. Uh, I think he had a big game in the Mississippi-Alabama yeah, I, game. I didn't realize Mississippi won the Miss-Al game 42-7. Yeah, and they were supposed to get beat. Like I had read a Rick Cleveland article that said they were going to do bad, and they destroyed them. So I don't know what, what to take of that. We have a pool of, I mean, maybe, I mean, everybody's talking about Mississippi's got a pool of talent here in the next couple of years to really go go run down and chase. I yeah. 
I think so. I mean, yeah, from what I can see, yeah, a ton of four stars. What do we know about Joe Moorhead? Like, I feel like I haven't heard anything about this dude. Like, what's how is he doing over there? Uh, I mean, like, they're excited, but they, they're kind of always, you know, ready to pump up one of their own, right? They're not going to be the first one to take a negative slant. It kind of turns into just this this snowball effect of eventually, you know, two days into the message board post, he's the greatest coach and the best hire ever made. Uh, I mean, I don't want to knock them for hiring someone that is a proven winner with a good scheme. Uh, I, I do think that it's it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be tough, but in theory it will be tough for someone with very few connections in the South um, to just kind of show up and start recruiting those high schools, right? That's what people say. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll see. He's he's he made a good DC hire, right? Bob Shoop. That's impressive. Did not realize that. That is pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, he's he's done well everywhere but Tennessee, and we're gonna we're gonna blame that on Butch. So, what'd you say? Does Shoop have any real recruiting connections to the area? I don't know about recruiting connections. He's got a better resume than McGriff. I mean, he was a For sure. He was a legit DC at Vanderbilt yeah. and Penn State. Yeah. Um, they hired Hudspeth to be the tight ends coach, right? I guess he has recruiting connections. Yeah, he does. Um, Co- Lynn's gonna keep pushing the players that way. I bet. I bet so. I bet so. They're probably safe there. Um, I guess time will tell. I mean, yeah. I think it's funny that for such a long time they were all in with uh, with Mullen about making the Egg Bowl the most important game of the year and all that. Um, and, and now that Old Miss hired Matt Luke and is happy about six and six with the Egg Bowl win, they're like, oh, I guess I guess Old Miss is the school that only cares about the Egg Bowl and going six and six or whatever. It's just pretty funny. You know, it's funny how these rivalries just flip back and forth constantly. Um, you know that we're not really any different from state. Has the toxicity um, dropped since Moorhead? I would say yes, and it's not because of Moorhead. It's because the toxicity always drops uh, in the years after state loses the Egg Bowl. Like the, the the toxicity mostly stems from state fans feeling so good about it that they want to talk shit to Ole Miss fans and, and ratchet things up. Um, I guess you could also make the argument uh, that. You know, it, it gets bad when they get beat several times in a row, right? Like, what is it that what is it that that made Mullen so angry at Freeze? Like, I guess just losing in twenty twelve, uh, losing on Dak Senior Night. You know, I guess that's enough to to drive a man to madness. Um, I do think it's funny that you know they're two and four in the last six, and one of the two was an overtime, Dak's only Egg Bowl win. So I mean, that's there's there's plenty to enjoy in the rivalry right now if you're an Ole Miss fan. Uh, and I think state fans kind of don't want to think about the rivalry. So I think in that respect, the toxicity probably has gotten a little better uh, since Thanksgiving. Um, I don't know. It was bad for about a week or two there, John, when uh, every state fan was convinced that Ole Miss basically had a bounty out on Fitz's ankle, um, which I don't necessarily think that they're not still convinced of that, but they, they're they talking about it less now. They totally had a bounty on <laughs> It's so ridiculous. It was very well executed. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Had the whole damn team go kneel after they executed the bounty. It was awesome. They were showing, <laughs> they were showing their respect. Yeah, no, I mean, 
obviously if that was real it would be reprehensible and disgusting but no one really thinks that no one really thinks that football players think the way fans think they could have concussed him he'll come back from that oh dear god well (laughs) well that seems like a good that seems like a good spot to put a pin in our conversation for now uh paul you got anything you want to you want to say that you didn't get to so far Oh gosh, I'm I'm really not sure. I think uh, I think we've hit a, a wide variety of uh, solid topics this evening. Mm-hmm. For sure. I've got a question for Paul. If we're, yeah, is this yeah, like wrapping the show up or yeah, we're wrapping it up. We're over an hour here. Paul, Andy Kennedy, in two minutes. What do you think of the season and future and all that? Do you watch the basketball team, Paul? I, I did watch it early in the season, uh, and I was told, you know, via multiple people on right. the internet and. Got you know worship the internet. Uh, of course, love the internet. That we ha- we're gonna have the best team that we've had during Andy Kennedy's tenor tenure. And then you know I-, I follow the football team very closely through thick and thin, almost. But maybe I'm maybe more of a bandwagon fan with basketball, and it sounds like we've really fucked up. So um, I'm not sure. It sounds like Andy Kennedy's about to get fired, right? So yeah, maybe a or maybe like he'll he'll take a job down a level or something so we're all happier yeah i don't i don't know i mean john i want to hear your thoughts but we were talking about a little bit before the show um you know it, it's kind of annoying every time you criticize the season you have to you know give it the caveat of you know ak had his class um destroyed by bitter whatever blah 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 but yeah i mean it's been rough so far they're what five and five five and six something like that uh three overtime losses on the year which is encouraging on one hand but on the other hand very frustrating and definitely i don't think helps the team's confidence at all um there's a lot of good guard players like we talked about this last time on the show pretty much same thing we talked about last time john that just they they don't have the post play bruce Stevens scored like 26 points and they still lost illinois state so i just i don't know where they're gonna find it i'm worried about sec play because the league looks much improved this year um old miss is pretty much bottom of the league in rpi right now uh, Auburn looks really good. They beat Middle Tennessee by a sizable margin. Uh, the the team that blew Ole Miss out by like seventeen. So, you know, I was asking last week, week before, is this the year that Auburn finally breaks that streak against Ole Miss? At, at this point, yeah, it looks like Auburn is much better than Ole Miss, along with most of the teams in the league. So, not super excited for the rest of the season, but no matter what happens, you know, we'll see. Whether it's Kennedy again next year or a fresh start, you know, we'll take it as it comes. Yeah, I think it's it'll be time for the, both parties to part ways at the end of the year. Probably, yes. Probably makes the most sense for both parties. But Absolutely. John Tewing come coach the team, and I don't even think he needs to come. Why don't we just he can just do it over Skype? We could just have like a remote <laughs> a remote team. Why yeah, not? Yeah, that's Who we go with Chad Morris? I think we talked about this last time. We couldn't figure it out. Let me. Let me Google Chad Morris, Arkansas staff. Let's see what we can find here. I don't think we had a definitive answer. Uh, I don't think he's announced the full staff yet, so it's still possible even if he's not on here. Uh, let me just control F. Uh, no two in this article. I don't know. We'll we'll try to figure that out. We'll ask around and uh, and get back. And maybe if you're listening to this, uh, and you know what SJ is up to, or you read it somewhere, you know, shoot <laughs> us a text or email, or come on the show and tell us about it. That's all good. Uh, I do have a qu- yeah, question. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Paul. 
So Ole Miss basketball, no probate. We're not under any watches for probation with Ole Miss basketball, right? Oh. We're, we're good there, right? I don't think so. So theoretically, like this will be Bjork's like first hire if Bjork is still there, you know, then, you know, right. crazy things can happen where he, you know, doesn't have anything really working against him. So that, at least that'll be interesting. To well, see if he's, he'll still he's have, actually a cock or, you know, like, he'll still have Vitter working against him. Right. He'll still have the coach right. will know what happened to AK in this last off season. That might be an argument you can make, but yeah, I mean, that's a good point. It'll also be the, I mean, I guess baseball too, but Vitter is kind of known for getting programs on probation. So I think we should all just enjoy the fact that uh, our basketball team is not in any trouble. Not Vitter, sorry, Bjork. I say Vitter. Bjork is known for getting teams on probation. I think he did it at Western Kentucky. Has done it with the football program here. Um, it'll be interesting Vitter to see. might be gone soon, though. Let's be honest. Everyone's, everyone's saying it. That's the rumor. They want, The IHL wants Vitter gone, right? That's the rumor. That's the rumor, and I mean, Paul is is even more plugged in uh, around Jackson, I'd say, than me. But the you, you talk to more probably older people that might know as well. So uh, I I think we all have to hope for that, right? I mean, wish you the best chance. All the logic behind we got to get rid of Vitter. I mean, they hired him two years ago, and if they are they going to come out and admit they totally screwed up the hire? Or I, I don't know if they really have to admit anything. I mean, who really follows what the IHL does other than nerds like us? They just do. I mean, they didn't. They, they didn't give they a want. shit. They didn't give a shit about accountability when they fired Dan Jones. There was a huge public outcry, and Ole Miss fans protested it. They didn't care. I mean, are they really going to care if people say, "Oh, you, you're this is embarrassing. You're admitting you messed up." I don't think they care. And also, like, I think that the IHL is has has successfully created this this wall and mask of bureaucracy um, that they can hide behind, and not have to worry about it, not ever have to be accountable for their decisions. But that's just me. We'll see. We'll figure it out. Uh, me and Paul will get to the bottom of it here. We'll go uh, detective mission around Jackson. Um, all right, guys. Well, it's been a fun show. Uh, I, we appreciate you coming on, Paul. Uh, you got any parting words? We already we already plugged your Twitter account. Is there anything else you want people to check out? Or uh... I th- I think that's it. Just the Twitter. You know, I love the Twitter is the Twitter's number one in my heart. So and you're great. That's, that's where you need to go. No, Paul's it's Instagram a great live when you cook something. Yes. Yeah. If you if you're actually friends with Paul, follow him on Instagram. Get in on those Instagram live videos. It's like a like a little party that Paul just hosts, you know, pop up, pop up party, right? Yeah, it's kind of sad, but yeah, yeah, basically. Come on, Paul, it's not sad. Uh, it's nice, buddy. It's great. And uh, like Thanks. I said at the top of the show, really appreciate you coming on, man. We love to hear from you, get your insights. Uh, John, you got any uh, final words here? No, that's about it. Um, I guess we'll talk. There's rumors going around that people asking the question: Should Mike Bianco become the AD? Right. So okay. So you you hadn't heard that when I brought it up. Have you seen more people saying it now that I said that it is a real thing? Yeah, it's actually like a thing. It's Apparently, yeah. Bianco seems to have some pretty decent groundswell for this within the fan base. When he's, you know, everybody gave him shit for not going to Omaha, but yeah, I think now after all the drama around football, this I mean, Bianco's put a solid product out there consistently. I, I think Ole Miss fans are so PTSD. Like any coach that you can feel ninety-eight percent sure doesn't sleep with <laughs> prostitutes, right? They feel good about it. Whether it's Matt Luke or Mike Bianco, maybe not so much for the other two. Is is Ole Miss now just in? Is the fan base in a one hundred percent reactive Mississippi State mode between 
Egg Bowl Paranoia, Mississippi made hashtag. Let's make the baseball coach the AD. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think eventually we're just we're getting closer and closer, right? This is kind of like a table cobblestone painting, and I think eventually the two fan bases are gonna have to angry kiss, you know, because we're we're right we're right there staring into each other's eyes, and we're just, I hate you so much, I hate you, you son of a, and then you just start making out, right? And you just because really you're the really you're the same person. Uh, and really, you love you love each other, and you love yourself, and that's just the the messed up psychology of a of a deep South rivalry like that. I don't know, man. Yeah. I think it's a fair question. I mean, it's kind of what I was hinting at earlier in the show, or bringing up that it's all cyclical in these rivalries. Um, you know, it, no one ever has the upper hand. No one ever really has the the boot on their throat, right? We've seen that uh, go both ways in the last ten years. Um, we'll see. I mean, we'll be back and we'll talk about it again next week, huh? Thank you for listening, guys. We appreciate that. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Go to our website, lunchchapterdark.com, all that stuff. Uh, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, I think I already said this a couple times, but hopefully we'll be on Stitcher at some point in the near future. I just haven't gotten around to submitting it. I know our uh, our friends over at Friday Rollin' have submitted to Stitcher now, so maybe that'll be the impetus that uh, that gets me over the hump. I can't, I can't be outdone by a three-week-old podcast, right? Uh, but another reminder to check those guys out. You know, I, I know Will Bedwell would appreciate that. But um, for now, thank you, Paul. It was great to hear from you, man. Great having you on the show. To talk about the uh, the Golden Corral coming soon to Oxford. Um, John, always good to hear from you, my friend. Uh, and I'm Justin, and that's it, folks. So um, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again in about a week.